Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. And so our focus is really on how can we improve the organization? How can we make it better? Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest for this episode, Amy Barrett in Austin, Texas. This is another episode where I'm trying to round out the guest lineup a little bit. I always, always, always appreciate feedback from you, our audience. And I received a suggestion recently that we have a few more guests from the governmental arena as well. And that feedback was 100% on target. Outside of accounting professors with public universities, we've only had one maybe two guests that came from the governmental accounting background. So this episode will give us a little bit of a a fresh perspective, if you will, on other career options that we haven't discussed quite as much. Amy Barrett has a background in both external audit and internal audit, both public accounting and industry, but she spent a large part of her career with a state agency, the Teacher Retirement System in Texas. You'll hear it early on in the interview yourself, but it's very clear that she really cares about education and educators. So it's very appropriate that she should find herself working for TRS, the organization that ensures quality retirement for teachers. Before we get started, if you'd like to sort through some of our other episodes and you're new to the program, we've added a search feature on our podcast page online where you can sort through pretty much any episode based on keywords. If you're looking for episodes on audit or tax or industry or maybe being a professor or working in the public sector, whatever it may be, you can sort based on those keywords on our podcast page and find episodes that you specifically are interested in. That site is whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, it's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Amy Barrett in Austin, Texas. Well, hello, Amy. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to record this for the listening audience. I think it's going to be very valuable. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to be here with you. Wonderful. Well, for the audience, I came across Amy Barrett through Mutual Business Friends, and I asked her to be on the show because, frankly, we haven't had many guests thus far that have spent much of their career in the public sector. And and by public sector, I mean governmental organizations. But that career path can be extremely rewarding for many individuals. Amy has had a few twists and turns in her career, but I'm going to leave those for Amy to to cover as we move through the interview. Suffice it to say, though, I think she's got some great insight to share with us in the career space. Amy, like I do with all our guests, let's start at the beginning so we get a better idea of, of sort of who you are. What initially led you to even consider accounting as a possible career in the first place? 
Well, I came into it maybe from a non-traditional path. I had been laid off of my job at Macy's department stores, and this was back in a time when a lot of department stores business had experienced a downturn and they weren't doing well. And so I was working in the Atlanta division at the time, and they closed it. And instead of moving up to the New Jersey division, I decided to take the severance package. And I wanted to, to have a career where I could work anywhere. And that was the appeal of accounting. So I started taking some accounting courses and really got interested in it. Then I decided to go get a degree in accounting. And then I chose the CPA path and public accounting. Interesting. So I take it you weren't in accounting at Macy's. You were doing something different. I wasn't. I I had been a political science major in college. And what do you do with a political science major, especially when you make a decision not to go to law school? I wasn't ready to do that. And so I looked around for jobs. And Macy's at the time in Atlanta had a really good training program for entry-level staff and executives. And I took a test and they hired me. And so I went to be a department store sales manager and I was over the lingerie department at a large store in Atlanta. And then I kind of worked my way through Macy's from sales manager to assistant buyer. And then I moved into the advertising division. So I had a wide variety of experiences, none of which were accounting related. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm only asking this because in the last... It's definitely in the last two weeks. I think it was last week. I had a request from a listener to interview more people that have made a career change, you know, Mm -hmm. that didn't just start out in accounting. So I'm I'm curious, how long were you with Macy's? I was there five years, a little over five years, so long enough. I felt like I gained really valuable experience. It prepared me for public accounting. I mean, retail is known as you know, it's a hard job. You, especially on, on when you work on the sales floor, come in at six thirty in the morning. The store may be open until ten o'clock at night sometimes, and you put in a lot of hours. But you learn all about inventory. You learn about loss prevention. You learn about managing staff, and so it was a really good experience for me. And I was in my twenties, early twenties, so I had a lot of energy and and could run around and handle a lot of those hours. Yeah, I, I think almost anything's easier than retail, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe food service. <laughs> oh, okay, I was, well. I was a waitress at Shoney's in college, and that was a lot of work, too. <laughs> <laughs> so you decided to, to make a change. Was there someone that tipped you off as maybe accounting would be a, a good way to go? Or did you just do some research? Or you no, know, you know, I, and it's funny, I grew up with parents who are both teachers and know nothing about the business world. And it just interested me. I've always been a little numbers oriented. And it just seemed like, you know, everybody has to have an accountant in their organization. And it just seemed like the way to go. But what's funny is I was also interested in finance. And when I was considering getting my master's degree, I knew I wanted to go to the University of Texas. And the reason I chose accounting over finance was that with accounting, you could start the program in January 
Whereas if you went to get an MBA in finance, you couldn't start until September. And I was ready to get the show on the road <laughs> and not hold up my career. So I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go into accounting. Interesting. Okay. What was your first job out of school with uh, your accounting degree? Just to be oh, clear. with my accounting degree. <laughs> I've had a lot of different uh, unique jobs. My first job was with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Okay. And at the time, I had made a decision to go up to Boston. I've moved around several times. And so at the time, it was the big six firms. Interviewed on campus. And I got an interview in Boston with five out of the six of them. And so made several trips up there and ultimately chose to work for Coopers and Librand. And Coopers and Librand and Pricewaterhouse eventually merged to become PwC. But Coopers and Librand was known as the biggest firm in Boston. And they had a very large office up there with a lot of expertise and resources. So they seemed like the best fit for me at the time. Interesting. Wow, that, that's a major move for your first job. It was. Um, I have to say Boston felt like a foreign country to me because it was so different from Texas and from the South where I'd grown up. One thing that appealed to me about Boston was the industries that they had. They have a large higher education industry. Uh, a lot of major colleges are up there, Ivy League colleges and other colleges. Healthcare is a huge industry for them. Financial services was big. And then technology was the other large industry. So I, was, I had a strong interest in, in basically three out of four. Wonderful. Now, you were at what became now PwC for right. almost 10 years, right? Or yes. Or yes. Less? Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's a long time in public accounting years. <laughs> Someone <laughs> told me once that in public accounting, you uh, learn in dog years which is, you know, what is that, seven years for each, each year? So, so basically, I had 70 years of learning crammed into 10 years. <laughs> That's the same thought that was going through my mind. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> what did you enjoy about public accounting? And knowing what you know now, what benefits do you, you feel like you received? I'm incredibly the- grateful for the opportunity to have worked in public accounting. You get exposed to so many different businesses and so many different ways of doing things. And and some companies will do things really well and some companies won't. And maybe you can give them recommendations based on what you've seen in in other places. You learn a lot. And for me, I really enjoyed working with some of the industry leaders in the office. It was the Boston office was so big that if you needed somebody with a certain expertise, they were probably in that office and they probably wrote or helped write some of the guidance, the technical guidance around it. So I enjoyed that. And I love the teamwork. You go out to an audit, you might not know everybody, but by the end of the engagement, you've formed a cohesive team and you've worked really hard and you've produced a good product. And there's a lot of satisfaction in that, seeing that last audited financial statement go out the door. Mm, That's true. That's true. Did you have any particular industry specialties or were you on a specific team? I focused on higher ed because that was a key industry for Coopers and Librand there. And as I mentioned, my father was a college professor. I grew up on a college campus, and I just always had an interest. And there's something about not-for-profit accounting that I really enjoyed. At that time, they made a transition from fund accounting to more standardization of the financial statement. So that's when FASB 116 and 117 came out. And we had the opportunity to work with all of our clients to convert their financial statements 
to the new format. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I loved looking at donations and endowment. That's endowments. That's where I got my first experience with investment auditing because several of my clients had very large investments. And so I got the opportunity to audit some institutional investors' portfolios early on. And that's kind of been a theme through my career and one of the reasons why I've ended up where I am today. Interesting. Yeah, I can see the educational theme running mm-hmm. running through your whole career. Interesting. Interesting. So what was your first step out of PwC or the next step, so to speak? So I spent 10 years at PwC. I, I did work, had the opportunity to work in various offices, and I finally ended up in Austin, Texas, because I love Austin, and it keeps, for those of you who like Austin, <laughs> you'll understand how it keeps pulling you back. And so I made a decision at some point that I was ready to leave public accounting. And interestingly, PwC had done a study at the time that asked the question, when is the best time to leave public accounting? And the answer to that question then, I don't know if it's still true today, is when you're a senior manager. And that's what I was. And that's because the thought is you've had enough experience and you have a certain salary and you're able to move to a good level at an organization. So I decided it was time to go. I knew I wasn't going to make partner in the Austin office because it was a small office and and you really needed to stay at a, a bigger office at the time. And I started looking around and I saw a position open for the University of Texas system. And the University of Texas system is an organization that oversees all the UT campuses, including the UT Investment Management Company called UTEMCO. And there was a position for a UTEMCO oversight person. This position would kind of oversee what UTEMCO was doing and report to the executives and the board of the UT system. And I was really interested in that because I've always been interested in investments. And so I interviewed went through the interviews for the job. And one of the people interviewing me was the chief audit executive at the UT system. And I got through the interviews and then I got a call and I didn't get the job. And I was disappointed. But as I mentioned, I didn't major in finance. I ended up majoring in accounting and they actually went with someone who had a master's degree in finance, I think almost a PhD and who had a really had an asset management background. But because I went through that interview, the chief audit executive there ended up getting a position and he contacted me and said, you know, I have this position. Why don't you interview for it? And he really encouraged me. And and I had not really considered going into internal audit at the time. I knew a little bit about internal audit. I had worked with some internal auditors at some clients, but hadn't really considered it as a career path for me. But he encouraged me to apply and I did. And then I ended up getting the position. And so that was my next step out of public accounting, moving into the internal audit function at the UT system. Hmm. How big a shock was that? Or was it a pretty easy transition, given that you'd already worked with hiring clients? (laughs) It was very difficult for me, maybe not in the reason that you might expect. I think the the work I really enjoyed, what was difficult for me was moving from a company, an organization that I knew really well and had been at for 10 years that had a very strong culture, very for-profit minded where, you know, we were revenue generators in that organization and moving into a governmental organization. UT system is a state entity and there is a big difference 
between how you operate in the private sector versus the public sector. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you were in the well with PwC for ten years, so I, right. I figured there was a little bit of an adjustment there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's certain ways that you do things at PwC that make you successful, and any organization that has a strong culture has certain ways that you communicate <laughs> and you do your work, and they work in that organization, and it's expected in that organization. And when you move to a new organization, it doesn't always translate. And I'll just say, and and again, it's not just the organizations, but I think it's going from a for-profit industry to a a not-for-profit industry. Even though I had done a lot of work with those types of organizations as an auditor, actually being an employee was a different experience. So it was very much a learning experience for me. Okay. And you were there about three years. What were some of your takeaways from that experience? What did you enjoy or what did you learn or what did you learn about yourself? Well, I learned I really enjoyed auditing and we got to do, you know, the thing I love about auditing is it changes all the time and you're always looking Mm -hmm. at something different. There's a lot of variety. And that's why I always think auditing is different from accounting because accounting, I've never actually been an accountant. I've just been an auditor and accounting to me seems more precise more routine and there's a flow to it. Whereas auditing, we could look at something one time and never look at it ever again. So I learned I really liked internal auditing. I actually got to be good friends with the person who actually got the Utemco oversight role. And she taught me a lot about investing and governance around investing. And that was hugely valuable to me. I was assigned as the auditor to Utemco. So I got to do a lot of work there. And I was also assigned to different institutions within the UT system. So I got to go on campus, meet their internal audit shops and attend their audit committees and work with them on their peer reviews and talk to them about their work, maybe help work with them on developing their audit plans. And then we had our own audit work that we did at system. So I learned a lot about how the government works. I learned a lot about what internal audit does. And I think it really prepared me to move on to my next role. Okay. Now, I'm assuming you you hadn't worked on this account before, but when you were with PwC, had you done some work for the UT system or was that? No, I, no, I had okay. not. When I worked for PwC in Austin, I had worked on a small college, but I was a lot more focused on banking at the time. I had a fairly large banking client in Austin and then I did worked on a leasing client. So I did some financial services, but not as much on the higher ed and not-for-profit side. Okay. Okay. I didn't think so, but then I thought, well, you know, maybe there was a connection there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We would have loved the opportunity. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it just wasn't there at the time. <laughs> now, you're with Teacher Retirement System now? Correct. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that your immediate next move? after? It was. So, so what happened there was I wasn't looking for a job. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, I'd been at UT System for about three years. And my friend, the U- UTIPCO oversight person, sent me a job posting. And she said, this is your job. <laughs> and I opened it up and I looked at it and I said, oh, my gosh, this is my job. <laughs> So I just, I've never had that feeling about a job before, but I think all all the work that I had done had really prepared me for my next role, which is what I'm doing today, which is chief audit executive for the teacher retirement system. Well, and you said you're, I'm assuming you have 
a soft spot in your heart for this since your parents were educators. There are a lot of us that have family that are teachers and TRS covers one out of 20 Texans. So almost everyone that you speak to has somebody in their family who's a teacher that's covered by TRS or at least works at a school district or knows somebody. So we're pretty important to the state of Texas. Yes. My mother is a retired educator and I am very thankful for mm-hmm. TRS. <laughs> Made all our lives a lot easier. So, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. So, have you been in that same sort of chief audit role since you started I ha- or I have. Okay. The job has changed over time and my staff have changed and what we do has changed, but I've been in the same role and it, it makes me laugh because for a long time I never spent more than two or three years in the same job or in the same location. I either moved or I got promoted or whatever happened. And and then I got here and all of a sudden now I've been in this, this same role in the same place for 10 years. So that, that was a big change for me. Hmm. Well, you found what you really enjoy. So that, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. You know, something you said in our pre-interview conversation, actually in, in the phone call earlier, was something along the lines of, well, I'm not a typical accountant, or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I don't have a typical accounting job. And so I found that interesting. I think, because I always think about it as, well, it's you know, part of accounting. I thought that would be a good conversation to have. What do you enjoy about your work and how does it differ from a, yeah. you know, a more typical accounting position, if you will? Well... Let me talk about how it differs, what I do now, internal audit differs from external audit and from public accounting. Because even coming from public accounting, I don't think I clearly understood that. And a lot of times, no one understands what auditors do. They think they just go into a conference room and shut the door and crunch some numbers and they come out with a report. (laughs) But what is different about what I do? First of all, an internal audit, we're employees of the organization. We see everybody every day. So it's really critical that we have good relationships with everybody. And in public accounting, the focus is on independence. You, know, you come in, you're very much objective. You don't know a whole lot about the organization, but you look at what you need to look at against a set of criteria you know, you assess it and then you issue your report, you know, do you get a clean opinion or not on the financial statements? And then maybe you have some recommendations for improvement, but that's not really the main point of a financial audit is to to get that opinion on the numbers. An internal audit, we're very much focused on the operations of the organization, compliance, we're focused on the strategy of the organization and where we're going over the next year or five years. And we care about the financial numbers, but we have auditors that also look look at those. And so our focus is really on how can we improve the organization? How can we make it better? And so we don't tend to audit something that happened five years ago or something that happened Mm -hmm. even two years ago, because it's probably not the way we're doing things now. And what we're looking for is just enough information that gives us a picture of What is going on so that we can say, okay, do we have a control design deficiency or something not working the way that we think it is? You know, is there some some problem that needs to be solved? And and what do we need to do to do better? And another thing I really like about it, and I think part of it is because of the type of organization TRS is, it's a very collaborative 
endeavor. So we're not just coming in saying, this is what we're going to do, issue the report and leave. We very much, even before we start an engagement, we have to go through a big auto planning process and risk assessment process, and we engage with the executives and talk about what are the risks in the organization. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what you're seeing. What are the high risks? And then we think about, well, how could we be of value? What do we need to audit? And how could that provide value to the organization? And we go back and forth. And I meet with the board once a year to talk about that too. Individually, I talk with all of our board members and get their feedback. Kind of things like, If there's a headline in the Dallas Morning News about TRS, what would that look like? So I at least know what they're thinking is important in terms of risk. So we go through that big process, and then we develop our audit plan, and then we go through a kind of a a very formalized process for executing on the audit plan, and we get a lot of management feedback and input along the way because they're the experts in their area, and they're really teaching us how things work and what's important and what are risks to them and what aren't. We're also doing some independent research. And then as we find things and we think there might be issues, we're sitting down, going through, talking about them, saying, what do you think? You're trying to get to the root cause because that's an indication of it's going to point you in the direction of how you fix things. And then once we kind of all agree, then we say, "Well, well, let's talk about how we can fix this. And by the time we get to the end of the process, everybody's on the same page. And then we finally end it with a report that goes to our audit committee. Being a state agency, our audit committees are open. So anybody can come if they want and sit in the audience and watch. And we sit there with management and go through and talk about the work that we did and what we found. And then management talks about their action plan. And it's a very good process. It's taken a long time to to really refine it. But I, I really like the collaborative aspect of it. And that's something that I didn't get from public accounting. Hmm. How large a team do you have? Right now I have 13 audit professionals. We have a pretty good sized audit shop. TRS doesn't have a lot of head count. We're about 650 employees and a couple hundred contractors, but we have $150 billion under management which is a lot of assets, <laughs> billion with a B. And we administer two of the largest healthcare programs in the state of Texas. And they pay out around, I think, around $4 billion in claims a year. And then we also have a pension. And like I mentioned, we cover, we cover 1.5 million Texans. And of that, 400,000 are retirees who are receiving annuity payments of $10 billion a year. So we have a a lot of big dollars to look at and to ensure are well controlled. Wow. Now I'm curious. So obviously you're responsible for the whole the system for the whole state, but I, I wouldn't think you guys are facility heavy. Do you, do your people travel yeah. at all, or is it all done? Right uh, no. This is a, this is something that's also really nice about TRS. We are in two buildings in downtown Austin within walking distance of each other. So we don't have to travel. There are other state entities that have audit shops that might have a lot of satellite offices. And a lot of times they'll have auditors out in the field who actually live there or they'll have to do a lot of traveling. The state auditors have to do a lot of traveling. But we're lucky that we don't. We just opened a London office two years ago. Very small, only four people. And my staff keep telling me how much they'd love to go to London. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> wow. we, we do we do some traveling uh, when we go and audit some of our large vendors. We might do some oversight work there that would involve travel. And then some of our investment managers, we've done some fee audits of, and, and they're located all over the world. So sometimes we do some travel there. We also have a program of auditing our 1,300 employers that report into us. And so there's some statewide travel involved. And then we belong to the Institute of Internal Auditors, and they have training and Association of Public Pension Fund Auditors, and they have training. And so there's sometimes we'll travel for, for training opportunities. Interesting. Are there certifications for public? I know there obviously there's the, um, oh my I gosh, the IIA, the CIA, yes. Yeah. Uh, is, is there any type of certification that's specific for governmental audit? Uh, yes, there's the CGAP, Certified Governmental. Oh, you're going to ask me and I can't define it, but anyway, it's CGAP. <laughs> but basically, it covers the Yellow Book, the Government Auditing Standards. And it's, it's a little bit easier to get than the DIA exam. It's a little, little less involved, but I have staff who are CGAP, who have the CGAP. And there's also the CISA, which is for Information Security oh, Auditors. Oh, there you go. And that's from ISACA. There's CISSP, which is for security. Mm. Uh, and that's a, a little more technical. On my team, I also have two chartered financial analysts, CFAs which is an investment industry certification, a very difficult one to get. And so I'm very grateful that we have them. So wow. we, we actively support, I want everybody on the team to have a CIA. To me, the certified internal auditor is it's the meat of what we do. And so I think everybody mm-hmm. should have that certification. And then depending on the area of specialty that the auditors are in, then they will decide what certifications are appropriate for them. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You know, in the back of my head, I was thinking there was some governmental audit certification. Maybe government manager certification also. There's a lot of certifications out there that you can get. For me, the key ones are CIA, CISA, and uh, CFA is a really good one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought the CISSP. I always think of that in the the IT space, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, okay. I have I have one staff. I have an IT auditor that's a CIS has her CISSP certification, and you know several of us have CPAs too. Not all of the internal audit staff have CPAs, uh, but many of us do, and and that's very helpful because numbers kind of underlie everything. So if you can understand the numbers, it it makes the audit, it facilitates the audit work. Okay. Well, you know, actually, this may or may not lead into the next question, but. Given all your experience, what do you feel that younger professionals that are just starting their careers out should know about being successful with a large governmental organization, such as some of the ones you've been with? Right. We, <laughs> we have one person that's, that interned with us and now works with us, and I admit, oh. I, I meant to ask him that question, and I, I didn't get the opportunity to, to see, see what he would say. But I have had the opportunity. To, we have a, an intern program at TRS, and I've had the opportunity to work with several interns. And I think the advice I would give them is take the time to sit back, listen, and learn, and also to ask questions and be curious. Mm. So if you don't understand how something works, feel free to speak up and ask questions. I think good auditors ask a lot of questions 
but they also try to listen and understand another person's perspective and the history of things and why things are the way they are. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, even though you tried to cheat on the question and ask someone else, I'm still going <laughs> to give you credit for that one. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, that's very good. Well, believe it or not, we, we've been talking for just right over 30 minutes. So I want to get into some of the final questions because okay. I want to be respectful of, of your time as well. But before we get into the final three questions I ask everyone, I want to ask you specifically this because you've, you've had a, a very fulfilling career, it sounds like. You know, there again, you've, you've got a, a soft spot in your heart for the education profession and, and your career has been built around that, albeit in accounting. If you could go back in time and, and give your younger self just one piece of advice, though, what do you think that might be? I think it would be, don't worry, everything's going to work out okay. Hmm. <laughs> so, okay. And it's not that I have a lot of anxiety, but I think there's a lot of ambiguity, especially when you're young and you don't know exactly what you're going to do or where you're going to go, what your life is going to look like. And I think if you just take the role that you have and you do a good job with it with integrity, I think the pieces fall into place. It makes a lot of sense. That's come up before, actually, on the podcast. And I think it's because as accountants, many of us just, we have a little anxiety in us. <laughs> so, That's a diverse uh, group, is my guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like stability. You know, I mentioned that I chose accounting because I wanted to be employed anywhere I went. <laughs> so that's not a risk taker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, like I mentioned, I end every podcast with the same three questions, and I think it, it gives us some good continuity you know, as we go from episode to episode. The first one's usually the easiest. What has been your proudest moment? For me, it, it's not a particular moment. It is, it is today, and every day I walk into TRS, I have Ooh. a team that is wonderful, and everyone has something unique to contribute that's perfect. That is perfect. By the way, I, that makes me think of this. I was thinking about it earlier. I, I, I commend you for having an intern program because we see that so much in public accounting, but it's not as prevalent in industry. And that, that's wonderful that you're it, it isn't, but I, you know, if there are people out there that are looking for internships, they might, you know, definitely check with the TRS website. We have interns typically in the summer, but sometimes all year round. And then I think other state agencies have programs too. So don't forget to check, check with state agencies on that. Mm, that's a good opportunity. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made and, and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the bigger, the better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, obviously I've made mistakes. I had a professor tell me once that only people who aren't doing anything don't make mistakes. That's right. And I think what he was trying to do was to, to say, you have permission to make mistakes. And I've always been really grateful for that piece of advice. I mentioned that UT system, it was a really hard transition for me from going to public accounting to kind of a governmental environment. And I'm very project focused and oriented as opposed to people oriented on a scale. And so in public accounting, that worked out well for me because we 
we had our projects and we had to get them done and we had to get them done timely. And that's what you do in public accounting. And, you know, the relationships are important, but they're not the key. Well, I think the reverse is true in internal audit. And I think when I first went to made the transition, I did not spend the time developing the relationships that I needed to, to be successful. And someone later on told me, that you know, if people like you and want to do business, even if you don't know what you're talking about, they'll listen to you. <laughs> hmm. And if they don't want to work with you, if they don't like you, even if you're right as rain, they're not going to listen. And I just thought that was a great piece of advice too. So the mistake I made was just in not developing the relationships. And actually the, the chief audit executive called me in the office and sat me down and kind of read me the riot act. And And it's not that I... You know, I thought I was doing okay. I thought I was getting along well with everybody, but I needed to do a better job with that. And so I asked for some leadership coaching. And I was able to work with a local resource from the LBJ school and just really help me think through my relationships with people, how I interacted with people. And it's just been really invaluable for my career. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's important for all of us to hear. You know, later in career, earlier in career, it doesn't matter because as accountants, we can get very focused on being perfect technically, mm-hmm. you know, from in doing our jobs. And, and sometimes, yes, we can neglect the, the people side of it. So, yeah. And I, I even had another incident with my team here. TRS is really good about doing surveys and they do a survey called Workplace Dynamics. And I got the results back and, and some of my staff were unhappy because they didn't feel like they were being recognized enough for the valuable work that they were doing. And so I got the opportunity. I had HR come in and interview them and the staff came up with some ideas for things that they wanted to do. And, and out of that, we have, a, we have a big tree on the wall where we hang something called Apple Notes. So Anytime we see someone do a good job with something, we give them an apple note. And we put it up on the tree for everybody to see. We also have a lot of people that have been here a long time. I mentioned I had been here 10 years. And so we have our own longevity awards and we have we get little plaques for them when they've been here in five-year increments. And then just go in their office and celebrate with them and say, thank you. We're so happy that you've been with us this period of time. So sometimes it takes people to pull me out of my shell and and that focus on projects and executing the audit plan, but I'm so glad that they did because it's just made a a much happier, healthier work environment. Sure, sure. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I I think it's the two that I mentioned. I mean, basically, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Obviously, you don't want to make the same mistake 10 times, but it's okay to make mistakes and learn from them and and move on and and you can grow. And the other thing is I I do feel like it's important to be the person that other people want to work with. Mm, That's that's golden. Yes. Particularly in management. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Particularly in audit because, you know, auditors can scare people sometimes. And I, I want people to look at me when I'm going down the hall and say, oh, that's, that's Amy Barrett. That's Amy. And not think, oh, my gosh, here comes audit. What did we do wrong? Sure, sure. Think of you as a colleague. That's right. right. That's right. Well, Amy, thank you again for sharing with us. We, we had a great conversation. It's hard to believe it's been 
like 40 something minutes at this point. This is, you've shared a lot. I appreciate how open you've been with us. Thank you very much. Welcome. I enjoyed it. Well, for our audience, This has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you haven't visited the home website yet, please do so. You can find us online at whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Amy, do you have any final words of wisdom or other thoughts you'd like to share? I guess I would just say consider internal auditing as a career. That's good advice. Well said. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We will see you next week. There's more to come.